What's really good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast where we get into what's really good in the world. <laughs> it's so hard to say that seriously. Um, for today's episode, I got to sit down with one of my best friends, Nelson Floyd. Nelson owns a company called Speakeasy Coffee. He plays in a band called Swift River Still and is always involved in a lot of cool local community projects. He's probably the most thoughtful and critical person that I know, which makes conversations like this just always a fun time. You know, on a weekly basis, him and I get together and we just sort of deconstruct everything going on in our lives and what's going on socially and politically. And we just like to tear down the barn together and hopefully come out the other side with the tools to rebuild one, maybe, sometimes. I don't know. But with this episode, we uh, we dove in pretty hot off the bat with a story that occurred to Nelson about a year and a half ago that was very tragic and insane. So I won't spoil that here, but we, um, we just dove in pretty front heavy with that. And from there, we dovetailed into just talking about personal and brand identity in the age of social media and just how that affects each one of us interpersonally, you know, how we all live in this world that's just deeply connected and everything plays a part in everything else. And it's just a weird space that we all occupy together. So we got into all that stuff and it was really a fun time. Um, Yeah, I always enjoy talking to Nelson. We have completely polar opposite personalities. Like I talk way before I think and he thinks way before he talks. So it's always a fun learning experience getting together with him in formats like this to learn how to communicate better. So yeah, I had a really good time talking with him and I hope you all take something from this as well. So now sit back and get ready to hear what's really good. Nelson. What up, Nathan? What is really good? You know. It's the name of the podcast. All, all you of have it. to have an answer. Um, Cheetos. All right. We're done. Ship it. Peace. It was, it was good being out here with you today. All right. Seriously. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. it. Um, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, do you want to give a quick bio, story, tale? Mm-hmm anything all that shallow nonsense yeah that doesn't really have any meaning yeah on a surface level yes <laughs> that's what the people want <clears throat> i'm a business owner coffee roaster i own a company called speakeasy coffee company shout out sole proprietor well i have a business partner um but i do most of like the daily work um like to play drums play in a band nothing famous you have a daughter nothing good <laughs> um, yeah, I have a daughter, so that makes me a father. Who also sabotaged our last attempt yeah. at a podcast. Well, she did great for like an hour, <laughs> and then it went a little long. I mean, she's four, so yeah, she was awesome for like the first hour. She was. She really was. I was impressed. Yeah. Nelson's daughter, Hazel, hung out in the podcast studio the other week, and she was so good for about an hour until she got restless and mm-hmm. jumped on Nelson's lap. And while we were in the middle of talking, just started singing this, uh, like... She just made up a song. Yeah, like, off the cuff, this, like, really good tune underneath yeah. our whole conversation. Like, quiet. Like, she knew what she was doing. Like, it she was, was quiet, quiet enough. Yep. It was like a movie. But she was, like, getting into the mic. Yep. She knew what she was doing. Oh, yeah. It was hilarious, man. Yep. That was funny. She's yeah. great. So, cool, man. So, what's going on? Uh, Not too much. So, every time 
I come to Souderton. We're gonna get we're gonna get heavy. Into Souderton. Real real fast here. Let's, let's hit it. Let's hit yeah, the ground that's where, running. That's where we are right now. I'm fed to the rules. So I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you a story that you know, but maybe most of the listeners don't. All right, let's hit it. Um, like 18 months ago, uh, it was Thursday, I think. My wife got a text on her phone. Right. Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going with this? Uh, maybe not yet. Um, from a random number, she didn't have the number, mm-hmm. right? And it was a video of a man masturbating. Oh God, this one! Now you know. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get real <laughs> deep because this is this is what. Let's, let's do it. Let's get in. Let's All right. get into it. All right. So Morgan receives this text, and hopefully it's okay that I'm talking about this. I don't think she'll mind. Uh, no. I don't think she will. Morgan's um, cool. She receives this text. Man masturbating. And right away she like was like, What you know, what the heck? She yeah. sent like she sent me a text. It's like I just got this random text from like this like random Pennsylvania number. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't know like what to do about it. And I was like, It's probably just spam. Like you get spam texts, you yeah. know? Maybe yeah. wrong number, whatever. Yeah, this is the age of chat roulette. Yeah. And uh Tinder. Yeah, you yeah. get you get tons of crap. Exactly. Yeah. So she sends me a screenshot, and I was just like, that is just so strange, right? She's like, I really want to call the number. And I was like, just don't. Like, your phone is going to, like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, virus, whatever. I, I don't even know. So she ends up, she texts the number. Who is this? Nobody answers. She ends up calling. Nobody answers the phone. Goes to, like, a voicemail. She doesn't leave a voicemail. Then after, like, a little bit, she gets she gets a text. And I'm not going to say that. I don't, I don't want to say the name. Yeah, you don't need to. Um... But he he responded. This is let's say it's so Mike. So. This is Mike. There you go. And she was like, Mike who? Mike last name. And she was like, What? Like, did you mean to send me this text? Um, and he was, you know, basically jumped into the fact that, uh, yeah, he he wanted to proposition her for sex. That was the whole point of this text, and was like ready to get it on. Was like. I've wanted you for a long time. I feel like I've seen you looking at me. And I feel like like you feel the same way, blah, 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 like all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike was like my best friend since kindergarten. Like we grew up together. He was in my wedding. Dude, everybody listening just went, what? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, right? So Mike lives in Souderton. Right on Main Street. Mm-hmm. And every time I come to Satterton, without fail, this was 18 months ago. Which is where we are right now. Yeah. In case I get, that wasn't I, established. I get that, like, like swell of anxiety, like, mm-hmm. in my chest. And I'm just like, I don't want to see him. Like, I stopped at Wawa for a snack. Like, what if he's in Wawa? It, it still happens 18 months later. Yeah, that's really not that long. I, I guess. You know? It feels long. Cause, I mean, if you're... When something like that happens, it's not as if it goes away mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. You think about that every yeah, yeah. day for right. a long time. So this douchebag says, don't tell Nelson, right? So, of course, Morgan Morgan told me. It was I was completely <laughs> to devastated. To Nelson's wife, don't tell Nelson. Yeah, I was completely devastated. I, I had a super busy day that day, roasting and packaging coffee. And I was, like, already behind. Like, I was already feeling, like, all this stress and, like... I'm never like this day's never gonna end. Yeah. And it was just like this bomb. So like my dad has an office in like the same building. 
and I just like shut, like I, I sh- like left my roastery, walked up to my dad's office, like walked in. He has like an outside door and an inside door, right? So like there's a door that like goes to the outside mm-hmm. and then obviously like a door to like the rest of the office. Yeah. So like I walked in through the outside door, closed the inside door and I was just like started crying and he was uh. like, what, like, what are you doing? Like what's, what's happening? Yeah. So I had it like, you know, I told him, Mike, douchebag Mike did this, right? So, yeah, obviously Morgan told me. A couple days later, he sends me a text. Hey, can I get some coffee for my parents? Like, nothing happened. Like, no big deal. Yeah. The audacity yeah. of Mike. Mm-hmm. That is just, it's, it just blows the mind. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can I get some coffee? Um, so, I was actually, I was, I was hunting at the time. I was sitting in a tree stand. And... When you hunt in a tree stand, you sit there for a while. So, like, I got this text, and, like, three hours later, I was still sitting there. Mm-hmm. So I decided to text him back. Like, I, I thought about what I'm going to say if yeah. I'm going to text him. I thought, like, that long about what to do. So, yeah, I texted him back. I was like, dude, you, I got to let you know. Like, I'm aware of this. This is, like, ridiculous. I trusted you. You were part of my family. You know, blah, 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 blah. Since kindergarten. Yeah. I mean, he, we hung out every week. Every week. He was at my house. Watching movies, you know, yeah. eating pizza. We'd go out to the bar together. Like, he was like my best friend. And uh, so I responded. I thought it was, you know, a pretty thoughtful text or whatever. And he sent, he like fired back right away with another text message. Like he knew. Like he, yeah. had, a, he had a response ready. Yeah, yeah. If Nelson te- texts me, if, he, if he's aware of this, I know what I'm going to say. Yeah. And that was it. That was, that was the only text I've sent him. And probably about... Once every... Well, what was his response text? Like, roughly. <clears throat> he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't believe I did that. Um, Like, maybe something about, like, I knew I was doing... I knew what I was doing, you know. I shouldn't have done it. I can't believe I did that. Yeah. So it's just kind of, just, like, canned response. The soup, yeah, super surface level bullshit. Yeah, yeah so yeah. since he's, he's texted me a bunch of times, he changed his number texted me his new number just so I would have it called me from his new number and thankfully like smartphones these days right like I didn't save his number yeah but like you know how it comes up like maybe, maybe. yeah blah, blah, blah. thank god for maybe yeah so I got this like this call and I'm looking at it and right uh, like right away I'm looking at the number and then I look down maybe Mike yes. so-and-so yes actual name not Mike wait when did this happen I'm sorry I was buttoning my shirt it's cold oh this was this was just you know within the last 18 months whenever okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I was just giving you some backstory yeah yeah so anyway every time every time I come to Souderton or near it I'm like am I gonna see this guy like I don't want to see him I don't want to see him I don't want to talk to him because why would you I guess but then part of me is like I need to talk to him yeah. Like, we need to work. Through. This is a therapy session. I guess, one, it, I guess I, it's become one. I feel, though, as though you started that story off in this podcast to say, screw this location, let's move the podcast. <laughs> no, come Every on. time you come to I have Saturday. a lot of coffee customers in Saturday. <laughs> I come here, like, twice a week. I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, yeah. I, I get what you're saying because it's one of those... I mean, this is the classic... I mean, any anytime something traumatic or just devastating in any way happens to you. I know just generally speaking, when you have that knee jerk response to totally avoid the the perpetrator mm-hmm. at all costs, like mm-hmm. I would, 
would go as far to say that not, you know, in cases of abuse, you know, in literal, physical, you know, violent yeah. situations, yes. obviously there's boundaries there and you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to just go back to the person's house and say mm-hmm. your peace or get your closure or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in instances like this, it really is a tricky tightrope to walk because at some level, you know, and I think most people know that you have to, you do have to address it and confront it at some level. Oh yeah. But you you sort of I don't know. It's it's it, I guess it depends on how you go into it because if you go into it looking for like revenge or like mm-hmm. the uh, just to ream them out or whatever like mm-hmm. that might not leave you feeling any better, mm-hmm. you know. And if you go into it looking for some perfect closure, you might also not get that. Like you almost have to be at a point in your life where you've confronted the situation that happened to you and you've dealt with all the inner demons and, you know, just the junk that's kind of piled on from it. And then you've con- you've gone through that, come out the other side to the point where, <clears throat> excuse me, where you, I guess, are ready to, to almost close that chapter and then you can address it in a healthy way. But mm-hmm. it's a... That line is different for everybody. That looks different for everybody. Sure. And there's not really a clear-cut solution because you don't know if seeing the person's gonna help, hurt, right, or make any difference at all. Yeah. And and just the thought of that, depending on mm-hmm. your, and I guess I'm just speaking generally when I say you're not you sitting across from me, but the the per person's situation, it could be, you know, something super. Uh, yeah, just traumatizing. So yeah, I mean, so obviously, like, our friendship was violated, right? He took that step to, like, violate our friendship. Yes. But it went beyond that. Like, my wife, like, felt violated, right? I mean, it's a form of sexual harassment. It's like cyber oh, sexual harassment. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, she was, like, completely, like, uh, she. I, I feel like she was kind of scared for, like, two weeks. Mm-hmm. She just, like, because, like, he knew... Like our routines, he obviously he knows where we like live. Like when she's home alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So like locking, making sure the doors are locked. Like she, like he knew where she worked. Like knew the car she drives. Like he was, you know. Yeah, of course. Part he's, of your, our he's your best friend. Yeah. So we ended up like the next day we like filed a police report just to like get something on the record. Mm-hmm. Just just like start. You have to like start somewhere. Yeah. If, if something would like progress, just so there would be like this like, you know, this is when these issues started. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I don't. So where are you at right now with it? The, where I'm at right now with it is the the day it happened. I was like, I I, I felt like I for, forgave him, and that was like that that comes like very naturally to me, mm-hmm. like this idea of forgiveness, right? But going beyond that, like he knew what he was doing. He he made a decision to do this. Yeah. It wasn't an accident, you know. Like he thought about this, and obviously yeah. had been thinking about it for some time, right? So for for me on like a personal level like the forgiveness aspect is easy. And I guess where I struggle like I, I want him to know that but I I don't want to talk to him, right? Because I I just I, I don't it's not something I want to deal with. And I don't even know if he like deserves to hear yeah. it from me. Like you don't even want to crack that door open yeah. to give him a chance yeah. to sort of 
you know, come, where do you come go? up with some justification. Yeah, because like, there, what's is, the next there step? is nowhere to go. Like, you're not coming back into my life. Yeah. We're not going to be friends. You're yeah. not coming near my family. Yep. Like, what is there? Now what? What is there? Like, you need to hear me say, I forgive you. Yeah. I feel like it's more for me. Yeah. In this case. That's yeah. just, and maybe that's completely wrong. <laughs> wrong, I don't know, and selfish. No, but I get but, what you're saying, and, and anything he would want to say would just be for him. It wouldn't be for you. Mm-hmm. That, that's uh, yeah. That's something I think most people neglect in these types of situations. Where it's like that Lewis Smead's quote says, uh, "For forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and realizing that the prisoner is you." Like it's it's mm-hmm. so much of you know, you might feel you know the moral uh, obligation of oh no I, I know I wronged this person I have to I have to express that to them I have to make right. it right. But it's at the deepest level, that's not what's driving you to that feeling what's driving you to that feeling is the torture mm-hmm. in yourself that's it's like you need that closure you need to like you saying i'm sorry is less about closure for the other person it's more about closure for you right which i think is what he probably wants mm-hmm. because this is not something that you sure. know if, if you're if as long as you're not a sociopath if you're a sociopath of some type then obviously you can go through life just doing shit like that all the time mm-hmm. and that's and maybe you, he is i don't know he might be well <laughs> do you think he is i mean you I were friends with him since i you didn't were think he would do this that's the thing like, that is the i thing. like this was this was completely out of like nowhere yeah it's like how do you be best friends with someone so then for you're so like long? wait a minute and like i know like i knew he had issues with like sex and like he maybe even some people would consider him like a sex addict yeah right like he's he's paid for sex before uh-huh right so like i and I've helped him through all that. Mm. So, like, I knew there was an issue. I just, it, it never. You never thought it manifest like no, this? No, no. Yeah. Not at all. Like, there was no sign. Because it's a violation. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between someone having a high propensity to sexual activities and, and having that those urges and all that. And even mm-hmm. people, like, with worse, uh, like, like, biological urges, there's a difference between that and then just straight up. This is like going for the jugular. I mean, it's your best friend yeah. and someone you've known for how many years? Like 15 plus? Longer. Like 20 plus years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right around 20. And you're willing to risk it all for this, this text yeah. of you masturbating. For some booty. Yeah. Like that's, it's just so bizarre. Like I can't even begin to quantify it. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to even relate to it. You yeah. Know? Like just, just the idea that through this experience of your best friend, you sitting across from me right now, like we've been friends for four mm-hmm. years, five years, mm-hmm. yeah. or like good friends, I yeah, like say. close, like close friends. friends. Um, that just the idea that you or I could do something like that oh, on yeah. a whim, yeah. when you'd have no idea, like mm-hmm. no preconceived notion that the other was capable of that. Mm-hmm. That is insane. I know. And you're a pretty intuitive guy. Like you're you you would yeah. classify yourself as being cynical and critical. And, and and observational mm-hmm. in these ways yes. more so than the average person. Yeah. So it's not as if you were just blind, like totally blind, like you're not someone who's just like looking for the best in people all right. the time and ignoring their flaws. That's not you at all. Mm-hmm. So for this to happen to you of yeah. all people too, it's like... And you kind of feel like an idiot. Like I was just like, how did I not... Like it happens and you're like, how did I see it? Like I should have known this. I should have known. Yeah. Like you, like you tell yourself that. But and the reality is I couldn't have There's known. There's no way to know. Yeah. Because even people, like, I, I think you and I have talked about this too before, where there's there's people that go through your life, like, I can I can name off people 
in my life right now that I'm friends with at different stages, you know, people who are closer, some that are more distant, but I know them on some personal level. And if you were to ask me interviewer, you know, poignant questions about do I think they're capable of harming someone or Mm -hmm. do I think that they're capable of A, B, and C, I could list off, you know, like, oh, maybe I could see him doing this, but you have no idea. Those are all just surface-level judgments that you're making off your own cognitive biases. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be based off something as simple as them not thinking like you or being engaged in activities that you don't agree with or understand. Like, that's it's it's so hard to even scratch the surface of knowing, truly knowing someone's intentions, no matter how well you know them Mm -hmm. in this way. Like, Mm -hmm. you hope that you know you ho- and you want to see the best, but usually you can at least get some kind of, I don't know, like, I don't want to say I could tell, but you can, sometimes there's people you come across and you think they might be a bad person. You get like sure. an intuition, yeah. but when it's your friend like that, that's mm-hmm. just a, yeah it's, yeah, it's jacked. Yeah, I mean, maybe the fact that he was my friend like kind of blinded my own intuition. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, when you have history with somebody like that, and you trust them, right? It's hard. I don't know. You think about it like any situation, like you know, like you spouse spouses cheating on each other. Like, yeah, you know, I never thought you would do this. Like, you know, like you're living life together, you have like a deep relationship, you're mm-hmm. connected, and then maybe those things kind of like I don't know, they blind you to yeah, it's a subconscious parts thing. of reality. I don't. I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking. about. I don't about. know either. We're not psychologists. No. Maybe we should stop talking about that. <laughs> yeah, just forget about it. How is, uh, like, I mean, I don't know how much more you want to talk about. We can, yeah, whatever. How, how is questions. Morgan doing right now? now with it? Yeah. Oh, she's fine. Is she, like, not, it's not even been brought into her peripherals? In it affects time? her because it affects me at this point, right? Okay. She feels, she feels for me. Yeah. Because it honestly, well, I mean. Well, I, it was I stopped, your best friend. Yeah. So. so I stopped having dreams about it. I was having nightmarish dreams about it weekly and thankfully after about a year those stopped so about a year yeah anybody listening to this just imagine that because sometimes when this kind of traumatic stuff happens it's a week seems like forever a month seems like forever i mean Mm -hmm. that's a year of that Mm -hmm. that's insane yeah i would have dreams like i would be having like a normal dream and he would enter the dream (sighs) and it would just like completely change like the entire feel of that dream. So. But what was yeah. she like in, in all this? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off no, no, there. No, with, I wasn't like, going to cut off. With I was her, done. with yeah. her, like, um, so even like post all this, like when, how long do you feel like, I mean, it's your wife. So you would know like how long after the, the events did it seem like she was recovered or was there any like pieces left over afterward that she needed to process or was it really more like she was just disturbed threatened violated and then she got past it and now this is like more like for you it's more the betrayal right yeah i mean i think that's accurate i don't want to necessarily speak for her specifically but like because he brought up the fact that like he thought she was like giving off signs like that that was like really heavy for her because she was like i mean you know her she's not like what is he talking about she's not a promiscuous person Right? So, like... Yeah, yeah. She was just like, what did I do? You know what I mean? I mean, she's friendly. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's, so... That's... I, th- yeah, that was, like, her initial reaction. I remember yeah, talking about yeah. that. And then I th- it just it just took time. Yeah. 
Yeah, so at this point, it's just, I mean, she kind of feels for me right. how it affected me. But honestly, like, aside from, like, coming into Souderton or, like, you know, if I see a car that looks like his or if I see, like, his parents' cars or whatever, mm. like, I don't really think about it at, at this point. It doesn't, it doesn't consume me. Good. It's just when I'm reminded of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're in a better place with all that. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. Yeah. Dude, that's yeah, so messed up. Where do you even go from there? Where do we go from there? I don't know. So do you know Brandy Carlisle? Singer, singer song. Well, you played her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loaded question, Nelson. You well, played I, her in my car I mean, the other week. I don't want to just assume <laughs> that you remembered that. Sorry, I'm just airing you she, out. Her newest air. album is called By the Way I Forgive You, right? Mm-hmm. So she released, it was a single that she released before the album came out. And they did this like contest, like this sort of like this weird kind of giveaway contest. It, it kind of felt weird, but the whole idea was you make a post, whether it's like just, you know, text, video, whatever, on social media, use their hashtag, whatever. But you tell the story of having to forgive somebody, mm-hmm. right? So when this song came out and I was listening to it, like it was really heavy. And this was just like around, I guess it was earlier this year, maybe. Maybe yeah. around Christmas time. We're in 2018, holidays. people. Yeah. Yeah. We're in May of May. 2018. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just, <laughs> Six months ago. I'm, I'm just saying this for our future <laughs> grandkids who yes. might stumble into this file. And uh... Yeah. <laughs> so when that came out, like I kind of revisited this whole idea. Yeah. And I honestly, I was like, I was pretty close to like, just not even to enter this like contest or whatever you even want to call it, but just to like kind of get it off my chest yeah. in a way. And I decided it was just, it, it felt too disingenuine to just make a social media post. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you're not into no that. Yes and no. It just depends on what it is. Yeah. And some, it's, it's super e- it is so easy in a situation like that through social media to see what someone writes and just think the worst of it because mm-hmm. it seems, I mean, at, at its core, social media is it's a way to share, but in that definition, it's also a way to exploit. So oh, yeah. it's, you, you hope that people just want to share experiences and, you know, like see the best in that exchange, but when those opportunities rise up, you get you seem to get some of those people who just mm-hmm. solely are looking to exploit a story, and who knows, maybe even exploit like a friend's story and use it as their own story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's so many things. Like there's sometimes, and I, I've been guilty of that. Like there's been times where, you know, you're at, you're at a party and you're telling a story, and you're into the story, and you realize, wait, was I even at this? Yeah, you know what it's I mean. Like someone else's you start story. to tell yeah. someone else's story. Yeah, which is. And it's when it's through social media that becomes magnified at such a high level, yep. and then your ability to come across genuine is like is mm-hmm. is clouded by that. Sure, <laughs> you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you didn't post it. No, it just it's not something that I feel good doing. Like naturally, feel good doing that. Just in general, yeah. posting on social yeah, media. Just, yeah, even in general. Yeah, I think you're better off that way. Probably. Yeah. yeah, as someone who works in social media, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably better off that way. Yeah, I'm pretty quiet on there. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's a worse off place without you. I'll say that. <laughs> Thank you. But you know, I mean, I still have like a Facebook page. It's not an technically un- an deactivated. Facebook yeah, page. 
It's, a, it's a desert. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't deactivate because at the time, it was right around when, like, all that Cambridge Analytica stuff was coming out. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, people were starting to recognize, like, how their data is being used and sold and stolen and, you yeah. know. So I, I felt like, even though it's just me, one person, I felt like not deactivating and just, like, going quiet and not using, right? Because these social media people, companies, they talk about active users, right? Yeah. So if, if you have an account, but it's you're not actively using it, it's almost like a bigger, like, F you. Right, right, You know right. what I mean? Totally. As opposed to just, like, deactivating it. Yeah, because people deactivate it's like, get, all the time. Get this shit right, figure yeah. this out, I'm still and, here. and I'll be back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, it's, um, they... They're the worst. <laughs> like, <laughs> Facebook is just the worst. You're being so careful now, you social media guru. I'm not. Do you know me? I am not. I will call out every charlatan and I know fraud and I know. coward in social media. They're all the worst. This is this is my. Did you hear that at Jack? <laughs> Jack Twitter. <laughs> you are the worst. Why do you do the things you do? You oh, idiot. Goodness. No, that's yeah. That's um, that's an interesting way of uh, approaching it. It's like I I still don't know. I mean I I don't really use my Facebook that often, but just like you, you're a business owner, so you have a page. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I do for, so that, mu- yeah. for music. So it's the same. Yeah, and you have to have an active account to manage the page. Yeah. So it's like this, you know, they kind of got you in a corner. Um, which is I I sort of get it, and that's fine. Like it, I think it's a way of like. Um, like establishing that that page is genuine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to it's, some it's degree, not run by a bot. To some degree, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's not run by a bot. But yeah. I don't know. I just you see these people. They make a post about getting off of social media, and I just I I read these posts and I'm just like, what? And that in and of what itself, what does this mean? Like, is... what are you trying to say? <laughs> like that is an attention grab. Yeah. That is a social media post. Like, like just go we, away. Just go off. Yeah. yeah. Go away. You don't need to make an announcement. And, you know, if you get a text message from somebody who noticed, that's great. Yep. If not, like, you figure out, like, who cares and who doesn't. And, you know, come back when you feel comfortable. Like, why why make it a big show? Because we love attention. And I speak as someone who loves attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm doing a podcast. So, obviously, I love attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, that's, I think, really, it, it does come down to that. I mean, no matter... Whether it's on social media, it in real life. I mean, so people always say, "Oh, it's like it's the online self and then the real life self." I think they're the, it's the same self. It's just the online persona that you have is just more hypersensitized to these traits, I guess. You know, like right. the, the attention grabber, mm-hmm. the like the cynicism, the ability, like the the knee jerk reactions to to news and to people who aren't like you. These yeah. are all things that when when you're in person with somebody you you feel the same way you know if someone's in front of you relaying an opinion that you don't like you're gonna feel the same way if they're in front of you versus if they're online you're seeing it Mm -hmm. it's just that the feeling that you get when you're with them is layered with but they're my friend i don't want to be rude you know we i understand where they're coming from there's all these other contextual layers added in whereas online all that disappears and it's just you and the keyboard and you can say mm-hmm. what you want. And I definitely think, I don't know, it's a, it's something I do struggle with because everybody is doing it, 
So right, it's like when the people. I, just, I mean, I mess with you a lot with this because, and we, I've been messing with you for years over just because you've you've you're someone who's gradually posted less and less. Oh yeah, online I used to over be way the years, more active. and me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We both. I, I kind of f- I've trailed behind you because I was holding out a little longer. I was mm-hmm. like, no, Nelson, come back. Like, I'm you. I'm still posting <laughs> like really controversial <laughs> opinions yeah. on stuff, but I, I don't know. Like, there's part of me that looks at it and sees if the worst ends of every part of the spectrum are the loudest ones, the ones that are willing to keep on taking mm-hmm. over these platforms. Then once all the whatever you want to call them, moderate like sensible rational whatever whatever mm-hmm. the word you're looking for all when all those if all those people leave then that just continually perpetuates it because they're still there you know what i mean like you still have it you're a perfect example right you didn't leave facebook you right. still have it mm-hmm. you're just not posting on it and mm-hmm. i think that's the case for most people or like, engaging like i'm not i'm not, not liking yeah. anybody's posts i'm not commenting no you're still there right and i think that's the case for most people is they go quiet because they mm-hmm. don't they don't know how to they don't want to deal with it i don't know it's it's I I feel personally that I mean it's it sounds redundant to even talk about tribalism on social media because it's just so obvious. Yeah. But you know when when the with the tribalism being as strong as it has been for so long, it's at the point now where if you've been active on social media with your authentic voice in your authentic tribe, then chances are really the people outside of that aren't engaging with you anyway mm-hmm. at this point. So really you've already built your own sort of custom echo chamber of what you want to see and who you want to hear. Yep. And so then it does kind of raise the point well, to where, well, who's, the, what's, what's the, like, why, like why, why should the, mm-hmm. the whatever meet middle ground rational people stay involved mm-hmm. with social media if, you know. Yeah, I was experiencing that a little bit when I was still using Facebook on a regular basis. When I was like, I was starting to like unfollow people. Like, yeah. oh, you annoy me. I'm going to unfollow yeah. you. Yeah. And then, and then just, all of a sudden, nope. like, I just was seeing only things I agree with or only things I'm interested in. And I was just like, what? What did I do? What am I you doing? did it. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's natural. Because why wouldn't you? You don't want confrontation. Right, yeah. I think that's that's the thing. It's like, I literally just saw this one guy. I won't name who it is. I don't think he, he knowing him, I don't think he'd care at all. But, he posted a status I saw a couple weeks ago on Facebook about how he's making the effort, like the resolution to post or to, to not comment on other people's statuses about like strong opinions or whatever, or reply to people on his that are like angry or controversial mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's someone who is that way. He's okay. very angry, belligerent, controversial, looking to get a rise out of people. And over the years, like I've just watched, I don't know how many hours this guy spends on social media, but all day around the clock, he owns my newsfeed. Like mm-hmm. he is writing up super political, politi- politi- politically charged statuses and responding to everyone, all the trolls, getting mm-hmm. in those like hundred comment threads. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. The kind that just drain a person. Like I'm someone. There's no way to keep up. There isn't a way, and no. I don't know how he was doing it, but yeah, he he pretty much came out and just said, "I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore." And mm-hmm. he was a good example because. He, much like myself, like, and people who know me can attest to this, like, I, I mean, you can kind of just tell from the way I talk, I, I enjoy confrontation, and I enjoy those types of back and forth. Like, it doesn't drain sure. me, I, like, it drains certain people, mm-hmm. but even when it comes, even when I post just one status. I prefer I, it to be in person. Every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but more and more people don't want to do that. Right. You know? And, like... 
Yeah, like you you just don't realize how much it drains you. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm some I've tried to become more aware of that over the years and just to to notice and I guess that's what I'm getting at is that you know it doesn't really seem like there is a viable solution because either you live in a healthy quote unquote healthy social media environment where it is an echo chamber and you're not dealing with these contentious environments mm-hmm. or you deal with these contentious environments at your own risk and try not to get sucked in yeah. to a hole and at least leave yourself open to learning somewhere but it's so hard because mm-hmm. anytime someone challenges you on social media it's the it's never the initial reaction to learn or to be open right like it's all defense 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 yeah. you know i get that whereas right now if you were to present a topic to me that i didn't agree with i'd be open as anything of like, course. you know what i mean like yeah. I'm not, we're not in an environment right now where i feel the need to right go off and just defend myself at all costs mm-hmm. you know so I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know either. <sighs> it's an interesting segue to like the only notes that I made for this podcast, though. Because <laughs> I was uh, so earlier today, I was kind of not really researching, but I don't know, like thinking about yeah, what well, you want to com- talk coming about coming here and talking to you. Yeah, yeah. And I was, you know, poking around other people's podcasts and like reading the descriptions and listening to the intros. And they're always, you know, like like the the starting point is always. Like, what's your identity, and what 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 are the things that that you do that identify you, right? Yeah. So it's like, I'm an author, I'm a mother, you know, blah blah blah. I'm a creative. Yeah, I'm I wrote these articles. I've done this. Yeah. I've been to that. Right. Yeah. But like, totally. W- are those things really what make somebody who they are? Like, do those things make you you? Are they things that you do? Does it help people understand who you are in a way, I guess, right? Just like yeah. maybe any type of art, right? But like I think about creative people and artists, poets, musicians that were before social media, internet, whatever, mm-hmm. right? And like obviously now we ha- we have the art that they created, but I wonder, like, how much of their identity they would want to be wrapped up, just like simply like in this like in this piece of art, right? Yeah. And like, for some reason, like the first thing that comes to mind is like the people that get all into like going out into like the wilderness and like abandoning things, right? Yeah. Who, who is that? Like Ralph Waldo Emerson, yes. like yes. Henry David Thoreau, yes. who wrote about those things, right? Yep. Totally. I, I feel like, and obviously I didn't know those people, those guys, right? But I kind of, it seems like they, what the, what they were doing in the moment wasn't necessarily to create like this like cult of people that want that to follow go. their footsteps. Yeah, and they're they were just doing, yeah. like they were just living and doing and being. Yeah. I think, yes, I think that that is true but i do also think that what you're talking about is wrapped up in something that's been going on a long time maybe in some contexts even worse than today because in older times they didn't have many ways to um pass on their legacy or who they were like within a family name like Mm -hmm. if you were the town butcher that's what you were known as so obviously you wanted to do good work because you wanted to leave a legacy for your kids and hopefully your son or like 
more in like patriarchal Western cultures, like your son would be right. the butcher then after you passed. And that was sort of what you were known as doing. That was your job. Mm-hmm. And same with like painters, or if you were a painter, I think that that really was, you almost, most, I mean, when a lot of, the, you know, like a fine art painter or like I was thinking I'm fine arts. paint your house okay. <laughs> both I guess but I'm thinking fine arts and like yeah. medieval period or before or after I'm just thinking as like as we in current day look back we know now that a lot of artists suffered symptoms of depression from like what we could observe mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. them and like you think probably a lot of that did come down to them knowing at some level that their identity in that time period meant nothing to anybody and right. they were just hoping that like when they died one day, like they'd be immortalized in their art because that was mm-hmm. their identity. So I think I think the the need for it and the the thirst for for cultivating an identity through career, hobby, titles, all these things. I think that's always been there. But to your point, it's definitely not something that makes up the totality of you as a person we right. just we just want it to right so there's this there's this idea i think in our in our culture where you are a brand right i am a brand well okay you run <laughs> a social media account i'm stakem dude <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i'm sorry for derailing uh, your great thought right. no 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 it's all right we like, can cut so that like, out no, no no don't cut it <laughs> I'm man i'm kidding the idea that like how. you are a brand right yes so a, a lot of it you know revolves around Social media. Yes. Right? So you have to you have to stick to this identity. You have to like put out like this idea of who you are, right? And you can't really waver. And, you know, we live in a culture where like people have figured out to monetize, how to monetize that. Yes. Whether it's like YouTube or, you know, you or your Patreon. create a Patreon account. Yeah. Which is fine. Like I don't I don't hate those things, right? But there seems to be like a level of disconnect from like you running your brand of you like and who you really are right and there's some like creators that do it really well and you can kind of like they're more raw or organic about how they do it Mm -hmm. but then there's some that it's all just a facade you know what i mean so i think that's kind of what i'm getting at like these old school artists whatever Mm -hmm. Like were they were they so wrapped up in like this brand identity? You know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't think they were. I think, but but again, it's hard. I I don't know. It's hard to gauge. I guess a lot of them were poor and trying to survive. They were trying to sure. get their basic needs met. But yeah, like to your point, they didn't really have the um, the instant feedback loop that we have now, which I think is a huge proponent of 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 perpetuating this sort of like self brand attitude that you're talking about because then back then you were just a nobody unless you were somebody you were a nobody and, right. and a lot of those those nobodies didn't become somebody's till after they died so a lot of their lives i'm sure were wrapped up in outside of survival you know like their relationships their friends mm-hmm. you know their their like fishing or you know go like hanging out reading whatever it is they did i'm sure it was it was wrapped up in a lot of stuff whereas now like you're t- you're talking about people with Patreons and people who make brands out of their social media accounts, we have that instant feedback loop where when you start to do something that resonates with an audience, you get instant gratification by likes and comments mm-hmm. and followers. And as you watch that grow or or drop, 
you you get an instant feeling. Like yeah, it's, like it's a dopamine instant, release. Yeah, you get the you get the dopamine cool. release, and you you. It's not even just that though. It's it's a super visceral identity. Like you're saying, identity. It it makes mm. it goes to the, the the thrust of who you are because it really it hurts a lot of people when mm-hmm. they lose followers or when people don't like something that they post. It's not just about you know um, affirmation or like denying affirmation to someone. It's about you know it literally can make or break them as a person when you come down on them right you know what i mean like that's so then you look at like kanye west oh here we go and what he's doing right now yeah you know he's back on twitter tweeting every day every hour basically (laughs) every minute (laughs) and right so like our you know our culture our society had an idea of kanye west and what he's supposed to look like and act and think and talk about and like he blows it all up, and whether it's like a performance art piece or whatever, like that's I, I think that's kind of like aside from the point that I'm trying to make, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like he's he has f- close friends, he has children, right? Those are the things that matter. So like whenever I, like I look at somebody, I just like I wish you could know like how the people that are close to them view them. Yeah, it would be a lot easier. That's everything. Like, if you could have that context and, like, gain that perspective, it just, it seems like, I don't know, people would be nicer. Yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm spacing. I, I think it's a proverb, maybe. That, that, is it a proverb where it says, um, a good name is valued more than great riches? Yeah. Or whatever. Like, I think that in this context, a good name is not a famous name. Mm-hmm. It's what you're saying, where mm-hmm. a good name is the people like you as a person your name the other the people who are surrounded by you you know like your family your friends your kids your colleagues your whatever members of your team your church whatever it is it's how they view you and i think that that is what you're saying and it's impossible to know that through social media like so i guess sure. social media would be classified as riches in this uh, analogy or metaphor whatever Could be, yeah. yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. cuz it's like that that is the social currency of today it literally is i mean you're talking about people having brands i mean a lot yeah. of people's brands are built through social media so yeah. they make their money through and part of mine is like this is like w- where i struggle right so like i i own a very small company in comparison to you know mm-hmm. many other coffee roasters it's a small localized company yeah and like a lot of especially initially like a lot of the sales i was able to make and the customers i was able to establish and like build a relationship with like it was because of me right so like person to person yes i was the speakeasy brand but like recently i've been trying to figure out a way to kind of like separate that but i don't know if that's like positive or not you know what i mean like i don't want to do it like i don't want to just like you know cut it like you know cut myself out of it completely Uh i just like i feel like brands should be able to like function like autonomously yeah Right. And it yes. kind of like ties into that point about like industry killers and like, do you really have to like destroy a business because their owner or the CEO thinks? Yeah, are they way. the brand? Yeah. Is exactly. that one individual yeah. inside the brand the brand? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like our, like our, our society says, yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> like now we have to destroy them. Yeah. And, I, and so then like from weird. my perspective, I'm like, well, maybe not. Like, because. Like I'm the one roasting the coffee and packaging the coffee, and it's a good product. But like, 
the pro like that should speak for itself. If you like the product that's being created, like why go to so much effort to like attack like the individual? It's because of the transparency today. I mean, we, I mean, we live in a time now. I'm, I'm obviously simplifying the complex nature of everything you just said, but we we mm -hmm. do live in a time where we have access. It's access to the an individual's history, who they are, what they say. These are things that you know before the internet. I would never know you. If I bought your coffee, I would have no way to know you. Like you're saying, unless right. we establish that person-to-person -person relationship where I was your customer and you were driving to my house, if I'm just buying it at the store, you're never going to know the person who made that coffee. Mm -hmm. Whereas today, that's way easier to lock into. And I think that concept of, of like, like we have been taught, that's something we talked about uh, prior to this conversation with millennials being industry killers, where that concept, I think, there's there's a good and a bad end to it and the good end to it i think it, it's scalable it's scalable because you're talking about you're the like you're saying you're the essentially the sole proprietor mm -hmm. proprietor of your business so in your case you are super close to this brand right so it's almost inseparable so what almost and uh, it's almost impossible like if you were to be a super vocal person on social media constantly one way or the other politically if you were hyper polarizing and you were a super strong republican or strong democrat or whatever anarchist whatever the, mm -hmm. the tribe red sox fan inevitably if if that's your social media it's easier to attach you to the brand so that becomes a way dicier situation i think than when you scale it up to a company like urban outfitters where it's employing thousands of people and you have one guy, which is the CEO, I guess, was giving money to the mm -hmm. anti-LGBTQ plus groups, right? I don't know the details. It was, it was something of that nature where the someone high up, I think it was the CEO, it was, it was the guy at that company was giving money to organizations that most people who purchase from that organization don't agree with. Mm -hmm. That's a lot different, I feel like, because there's a disconnect between that's now that is now like you're talking about that is an entity that's an entity that employs thousands of people hundreds of locations like supplying millions of people with a product where i feel like the more you scale it down the more difficult it is to separate so it is yeah it is on i don't i don't know it's i agree with you that you know should a person's personal personhood a person's personal personhood hmm. should a person's personhood really dictate the decisions of a consumer's feelings toward that their brand mm -hmm. you know and i don't know i really don't know i think it just depends on the scale sure yeah it's know. tricky what do you think about that like do you think there's a difference i mean so like coming from like the coffee industry perspective right i mean i guess we can like brand drop i don't know yeah get we're, into we're a it. bunch of couple of nobodies so why does it matter there's yeah. this company called black rifle i think i think i know who they are yeah okay so they've created a brand around you know this like right wing concept of like you know pro second amendment like yeah. you know like their logo is a it, it's yeah an I've AR. Seen it's like an m16 shirts. or m4 yeah, or whatever yeah um they all of their promo is like like sexy girls and bikinis Right, that's like that's all their social media is. It's just like attention grabbing. It's I'm trying to like make my point. It so that company, th their their coffee is not good. 
it's not a good product. Yeah. Right? But they create like this marketing concept, this like identity. Whoever was the brainchild, I don't I don't know, right? So like mm-hmm. I guess I'm kind of like speaking from like the point of like looking at the brand just as a brand, yeah. right? Like they've created this very unique special brand in their opinion. Uh-huh. Um with this like very obvious identity, right? Like if you like guns and boobs, buy our coffee. Yes. Right? The product doesn't America. matter. Yeah, exactly. Like the quality doesn't matter. So I don't know if that even fits into what we were just talking about, but Well that's that that is that's like a whole other approach. that's like the opposite sure. approach to what we're saying. Yeah. Or that's like you just own the hyperpolarization and that's mm-hmm. part of your brand mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's a weird it's it's tricky because like obvi- like obviously like what I do like we work in primarily food and beverage marketing. So knowing the clients who we've worked with over the years and who we work with now, it's definitely a, it's a dicey area because you have these institutions full of people from the top down and everybody obviously everybody has opinions because why wouldn't they? They're people. Yeah. So everybody in these institutions they're people in relationship with one another within the institution who obviously at some degree share value with what the institution is is selling, but also they're in they're individuals not completely tied to that brand. Right. So it depends on the level. I mean, like like not to completely derail this back to me, but kind of for a second. Like with the Stakem brand, that's something that since I started working on their social media account last August. I mean, they didn't have an an active social media presence. Mm-hmm. They had done stuff through Facebook, and they have done ads, They're just like campaigns, campaigns, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they weren't like they weren't active. They weren't like a Wendy's or a Moon Pie or right. one of, or Arby's engaging that, with their customers, yeah, and their yeah, followers, and, exactly. Yeah. So like, I was the first person through that account to do that on social media, and I developed a very the the voice was very distinct to my real voice in real life, and subsequently, then the following that I got to that brand were people that followed because of that. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just people following the brand because of the brand, they were following it because of the brand voice, which was me. Mm-hmm. So I'm attached now to this brand via my voice. Mm-hmm. So that whole process, which then became, it turned into relationships with all these people. A lot of them found out eventually once um, articles were written about the account itself, that my name was in those articles, and then people could easily tie back and say, oh, Quick Google search, Nathan Albach, he's the person behind mm-hmm. this account. So then it really hyper attached my name to the brand. And I'm getting re- people who I was, quote unquote, friends with through this um, corporate account on my personal account. So now that it really tied me to this brand because now it's a super tricky situation, which most brands try to avoid because you don't want that. You right. don't, as a brand, you don't want any one person representing you as a whole because mm-hmm. if i do something awful or say something polarizing mm-hmm. that could easily be linked back to the brand in a of bad course. way so yeah. there's like this weird tango because to, to kind of circle back to what you were saying before about how you're trying to do more work on social media and create more of a brand presence but at the same time you're not sure if that's the right move because you've built your brand off these personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I think that tension between those two things is where more brands need to be. Because I think most brands are one way or the other. Most brands are either 
it's one person or at least a very um, narrow, hyper-focused, uh, like, voice and persona and mm-hmm. one person representing them, you know, like, either it's that and that's, that. like, like I just said, like, it, it leaves holes then for if they do something wrong or bad, the whole thing tanks. Like, like Invisible Children was a good example of mm. that where they had that incident, I don't know how many make years Joseph ago. Make Joseph Coney or make Coney famous, that, well, that there thing? Well, there was that, okay. yes, that whole thing that happened. But then the thing where the, uh, I don't know if it was the CEO or if it was someone that was high up, he had that public incident. Yeah, that was right was, after the Make Joseph Coney famous Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. So it's, it's, it, was, it, it was like a... The, that was a catalyst to this guy's mental breakdown. Exactly, yeah. he had the mental breakdown because of it that. It got so much traction, but it was mostly negative. Yeah, to, oh, it, was, oh, it was terrible. It was yeah. terrible for their brand. Yeah. So it's like... And he was like running around the streets of LA and like naked or something. That's yeah. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, yeah. So, it, so that kind of stuff, it's, it's almost impossible to avoid it. Like, as a brand, if you're a good brand, I mean, obviously that's a terrible incident that happened. You don't want that kind of stuff to happen. But mm-hmm. if you're a good brand, you almost want to put your brand in a position where you're willing to risk that kind of stuff happening. Sure. Because you want the people behind your brand to represent you in a way that, that you are comfortable with. And if you don't, because mm-hmm. it, it, if you don't, it's a lie. Everything's a lie. You can sit in boardrooms and have strategy and talk about right. how you're going to increase sales and all that. But if you have just bad people working for you, then everything you project outward is a lie. And eventually someone will find the thread that unravels the whole thing yeah. and your company falls apart. So I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm just trying to relate back, I guess, with my thoughts on that. Cause I really do think it's a tension there. Like it really can't be, in today's day and age through social media, you have to be more personable. You mm-hmm. have to be more atta- willing to risk your t- attaching the self to the product and the brand. Definitely. But at the same time, you do need to put up walls. There needs to be guardrails. There needs to be ways of communicating. You know, like Starbucks, sorry, I'm at the end of my rant, but Starbucks, I think, is the perfect example of this where they do their social media in a way where they interact with people as people. They mm-hmm. seem like it seems personable whenever they comment on responding to a concern or whatever. But they had that incident with the um, the, the two black guys in the Philly Starbucks who mm-hmm. got arrested for that whole deal. The manager called or like they, they found out it was the manager, right? Yeah. So it was called the ma- cops. manager called the cops, arrested these two guys. Becomes a national, international incident really mm-hmm. where it's like making news everywhere. Their response to that, in my opinion, was perfect because it was as a brand saying these two people represent our company we're taking responsibility for it like this is our way of publicly saying then they they did those uh what is it like they took a day it's like the end of this month or last month when they're closing all starbucks Mm -hmm. for a day so whether or not you agree with that specific sentiment because obviously it's a politically charged issue anytime there's race involved Mm -hmm. for whatever reason that's a political issue (laughs) but no matter what end of the spectrum you fall on with a sentiment that, that, that like that where they took this position, they're doing something as a brand that is showing they care, that they understand that these people represented their brand and they're taking action. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really amazing example of how like you can handle crisis aversion when, when situations yeah. were like you're talking about. Because it really, you shouldn't ever feel like on an individual level basis you should never feel under threat to act a certain way when you work for a brand you should be able to be yourself as mm-hmm. long as you're a law-abiding decent person like if mm-hmm. you're calling out hate speech and being and calling for violence or whatever you should expect what comes for you but as right. long as you're a decent person your opinions shouldn't be be causing you to fear for your employment on the individual level but then on the brand level 
you should also have an awareness of how individuals within your company can come off and who they can turn out to be mm -hmm. and how you're willing to handle that and roll out your um whatever you want to call it your your crisis escalation plans into the public mm -hmm. you know sorry for the rant but that's no it's good i rant. think it's somewhere in there that you want to be in between yeah it makes things. sense yeah mm -hmm. i think about like you mentioned moon pie and wendy's right so like obviously right now they have somebody's running their twitter and they have a, like a specific voice mm -hmm. what happens when like that person leaves Oh, All right. Yes. So, like, do you sit? Does like Moon Pie say like, do what they did? Like, the, and then it becomes like this very disingenuous thing, right? It's not mm -hmm. like there's like is it now though? But is it? I don't know. It seems there's it. Well, you were just saying like, for Stakeham, for you personally, like, yes, your voice. It's me. Is what grew your following? You know, what people connected to? It's you. Yeah. Right. I mean, I didn't want to talk about. Stakeham and you personally, but I mean, we I could. We're here, yeah. Let's yeah, I mean that. Care. Like, so what happens when you stop running the Stakeham social media? Well, again, I think it's scale. This is just my view of it because I built something bigger than me with that personally, and mm -hmm. same with Moon Pie, same with any of those other accounts. I mean, the people listening who don't know what we're talking about, Moon Pie is probably the second most popular uh, corporate brand on social media next to went or beneath Wendy's as far as like their active presence and insofar as how much media coverage they get mm -hmm. and, um, and engagements they get. But no, I mean, when I look at like <laughs> trying to compare myself to these like megaliths online, but from, from my smaller angle with the Stakeham account, it, it is definitely a tricky, I don't think it's just black and white either way. I do think it's, it's tricky, Sure, yeah. but, but it is, you're right. Like I built, the voice and the brand in that context. Right. So there's people. So does Stakeham go, do what Nathan did? Yes, they do. Because then I built that voice. So then that becomes, that's what I'm saying, I guess, where it's bigger than myself. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. I'm like this heroic person or I'm saying that the brand itself took on a nature that was beyond me, mm -hmm. you know? So I would, that that is what you would do. I mean, you'd, you would, because a voice, brand voice development is something that's been going on for a long time decades sure. centuries however long like ads have existed in different formats it's just it's the way for a company or a person to communicate the product that they're selling in a way that's relatable as authentic as they can be mm -hmm. again scaling depending how big or small they are that comes off super inauthentic if you're too big and too out of touch with reality but that's the goal so with the stakeham account in in doing so i think it's not at this level of its like growth, whatever you want to call it, I don't think it's inauthentic if someone else came in and I had to train them in in the voice, or whatever. Like even we have a, we have a guy, his name's uh, Bob, who's our intern, and we made him that account on Twitter, which is at the idiot intern. Mm -hmm. and we call him Intern Steve. So that's a character we developed, and Bob de helped. I had developed a voice early on with that, but I actually made a Twitter for Bob to mm -hmm. like really reel that voice out, which he developed. So that's a whole thing where he was able to come up with that and it became a personable thing. And along the way, like I'm working pretty close with him. So I've actually had him help on certain busy days, like with the Stakeham stuff. And he's responded to a couple people just to see how he would do. Like if yeah. I was really busy, I'm like, hey, like I know you watch this really closely. Like let's just see. Mm -hmm. He knows He knows the guardrails. He's been here long enough. It was, it was a safe situation. It just re we replace random words with beef and like say <laughs> charlatans a lot and you can do it. 
Anybody can do it. That is the formula, pretty much. <laughs> I didn't have him do like posts. I was just having him yeah, like yeah. respond to people or whatever. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he did amazing. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked at his clip. I was like, this is exactly how I would have sounded. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I'm trying to say is like it does. And I, 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 I don't know. I'm trying to see if I can even say this. I know the guys at Moon Pie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the agency uh, that represents them is this agency in Knoxville called Tombers Agency. And the guy who developed... So, so it's a pretty large agency, like a 200-plus person agency. So they had a bigger team on the uh, Moon Pie account as a whole when they were developing out the account's voice. So I don't know personally how many people went into those meetings and like really came up with that style of humor or wordsmithing. Right. But... I do know that at the time of its boom, which was last, it was August of 2017 when they did that Eclipse post that was a clapback at um, Hostess Snacks and it got them like a billion impressions or something like that. I do know that the guy who was running it then and ran it for a while after, it was one guy. And he, I'm actually going to do a podcast with him as long as he doesn't bail. Patrick, don't bail. His, his, he's definitely He's bailing definitely now. bailing now. But his name is Patrick Wells and... um He's a genius. I mean, when you look at the voice work he did for that, but they actually did um, a similar thing, which is what you're talking about, where obviously, like, I don't, again, I'm not speaking for them. I don't know what their team did internally, but they had a team of multiple people working on that account. Mm -hmm. So once he developed out that voice, now that is, it's a transferable thing. You know what I mean? So there's, I get what you're saying, where there's a level of, you know, you sort of lose the authenticity at some degree because it's not going to be the same person forever. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're a good brand and you develop a good voice, then that does take on a okay. life of its own. Because if you are too personal, like, I think that's the issue I was running into. Early on, that's fine. But the bigger you get, the less you should do that. Sure. Like, say you. Like, let's, let's just put this back on you, your coffee company. Mm-hmm. You... It's just you right now. But say five years from now, you have 20 employees. And then 10 years from now, you have 50 employees. Say you're like becoming a huge coffee company. As your company grows and more people, there's more moving parts, mm-hmm. you have someone who manages your social media. Then maybe you have two people managing your social media. Maybe you're overseeing it, but they're posting stuff. Yeah. And so I then, mean, by you know that I mean? point, you know, the brand does has a voice of its own. Exactly. So right. it, just, it takes on a life at some level. I guess, level. I mean. And then it's not as authentic because it's not right. you. And the, and the people like you're talking going person to person, it's not you mm-hmm. responding to every DM mm-hmm. and every comment, which it was before. But is it really any less authentic? Because it's yeah. the voice of you is now understood by your employer employees. Right. You know? So I guess I take it back to quality of the product then. And I don't know how deep you want to go or like how much time we can have at this point. I go deep all day, brah. But so... <laughs> it sounded so weird. Right, so like Moon Pie... Has really great engagement. It's funny. It's fun to follow. Yes. Moon pies are disgusting. To you, <laughs> I don't like them either. But people in the South love them. It's a Southern food. Yeah. It is. It's like a Southern like that. I guess my point is me following Moon Pie on Twitter and laughing and liking, you know, mm-hmm. smashing that heart button thing. Smash that heart button. What? <laughs> what value is that to them if I don't like their product? Oh, dude, that's everything. Yeah, let's 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 go deep. I mean, I don't want to make this all about Brandon. No, I don't. But, I mean, but I'll touch on it. I mean, my thoughts are your engagement, quote unquote, to their posts, whether or not you like the product or not, mm-hmm. is indicative of your own network. So, I mean, I I've, I had to go through this motion a lot with the people here with the Stakem account. With early on, a lot of the 
people who followed the account were vegans, mm-hmm. which was super contradictory and weird. And they just liked me and they liked yeah. the stuff I was, they thought it was funny. They thought mm-hmm. the whole thing was funny and that they had a good, their friends engaged with it. So they had a good time engaging with it. They didn't take it seriously. Obviously they weren't eating the product, right. but they followed the account and I had to sort of, there's two factors to that. I mean, there's one, if, if you actively don't like the product, that leaves a lot of windows for trolling or even better so um, the wow factor. Because if I post from a meat account, hey, here's my vegan friend, that in and of itself is mm-hmm. worthy of attention. Because people are like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Ooh. Like a vegan likes meat. And you could say the same thing across the board where it's like if you hate But the vegan pies, doesn't like meat. The vegan but, likes the voice, but it gets exactly well, exactly. But I'm saying that's what that's what if I was a onlooker, that's okay. the, that's the thought. The thought is why is this vegan following the Stigum account? Yeah, same thing with you, where it's like you're saying you hate moon pies, but you like the account. So if you I were didn't to say I hate them, I just okay, don't them. I uh, whatever. I'm, I'm, I put words in people's mouths sometimes. I'm I an idiot. Your Twitter, I don't like your Twitter moon pie. <laughs> moon pie, don't kill me. <laughs> um, but like, if if you were to post something, then fun in a, either in a funny way or in a genuine way, like if you were to comment at them and say, "Hey, I hate again, just being sarcastic, like being exaggerated. I hate moon pies, but I love your account." Mm-hmm. That is an opportunity for that brand to turn to take that, highlight that comment, respond to it, or quote tweet it, whatever. Make it make either respond in a snarky way or in a sense sensitive way. But it, it brings whatever that is, whatever that wow factor is. It draws attention to people. Like, oh, people are following this for more than just the brand. It's mm-hmm. it's now about the voice. And then when you create that bubble of attention, you get potential consumers. You know what I mean? So it's like not. If you're, if you want to talk yeah, like, about, so my cousin in Georgia who sees that I like that post, exactly, might buy it. So might like, and, and obviously we're talking in a strict consumer <laughs> sense. Like this yeah. is like the least authentic thing as far if you talk branding. Like this is like literal numbers. Like you're playing a numbers game. If if that's your only goal. In my case, and a lot of the stake followers, I really I'm friends with some of them on my personal account. I just like them. Like they're they're cool, mm-hmm. funny, genuine people. But if you're looking at an end game, just a numbers game, mm-hmm. it's, as far as impressions, engagements, whatever, that's what you're thinking about. Sure. You're thinking about how can I use any situation as a catalyst to get more impressions, more engagements. And you do that through invoking emotion and experience and putting putting out something where people feel like either weird or like they're a part of something united in a united way mm-hmm. or, you know, so those that's what those moments create. I think. Was that a burp? Yeah. Like inside <laughs> me. It almost sounded like It didn't a come fart. out of my mouth though. Like no, in my headphones, burp. it was like a... It was like in my chest. And... I mean, I liked it, Sorry. but... That was weird. It's fun. Yeah. Enough brand talk. I don't talk. trust my body. <laughs> I don't trust your body either. Hmm. Coffee body. Hmm. It's fun. Yeah. Anyway. I didn't think I'd talk some about of my them with you. That's yes. fine. I mean, it's what you do. <laughs> It's it all is, good. It is. It's it, interesting to me. As long as it's interesting to you, I hope it's yeah. interesting to other people. I hope so. I mean, I, it's not interesting to me. It, it is interesting to me. I guess I downplay it a lot because it's, it's, to kind of go back to what you're talking about in the beginning with the, uh, the ego, the identity type of stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. to me, talk about building an identity on something like that's kind of what in, inevitably happened with that to me, or I just never in my life imagined that. Like me, people knowing me for being the guy who runs the Stakeham account, which now has happened to many 
people in my life. It's like mm-hmm. when they, it's like when they see you. It's like when someone sees you in public, they haven't seen you in a couple months or a year or whatever, and their their initial thing is, "Hey, like, how's school going? Or mm-hmm. how's work at this place? Or how like your beard looks nice? Or oh, the Stakeham account? Like, there's these things that people yeah. love to attribute to you, and that's that's a a weird one for me because as someone, excuse me, as someone who likes to talk about themselves and at themselves, and as someone who you know, enjoys attention and enjoys um, pampering my own ego, even mm-hmm. though I try, like, I'm, it's like a love-hate thing. Like, I know I'm aware that I do it, so I try to, mm-hmm. I guess, take away from that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like when I do end up talking about it, it's, it's not that I don't like it. I have fun talking about it. Yeah. But I also don't want to ever come across like I'm, I don't know, like self-glorifying like in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, like you're talking about making it like the thing. Like I could go all day sure. talking about this thing and it just sounds like, oh, he's just talking about himself. And that's so uninteresting yeah. to me as a listener. As, as, as I am listening to myself, if anyone else was doing that and if that was the entire depth of the conversation, mm-hmm. I would just tune out. You know what I mean? Unless mm-hmm. there's some deeper meaning or some deeper arc to the story. Totally. Like if you're just talking about what somebody does... Just, just like you said at the beginning of this, where you're saying, when you look at podcasts and you see the guest and like who they are, their job occupation, a little description. If that's it, like if that's all there is to that person, hmm. um, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't care. Yeah, sure. Like talk to me all you want about that stuff. It's just not. Mm-hmm. I'll read a book about it. I'll read an article about it. I'll watch a YouTube video about it. Or listen to a podcast. I don't need to sit in front of you, you know, or you sit in front of me, and we just like right talk each other's ears off about how great we are and what we do it's just not fair enough you know yeah so, sorry that wasn't I'm, a, yeah no, wasn't a job at you i'm just jabbing myself kind of like, i got gotcha. like when i get into that stuff that's where my my head kind of naturally goes i just i've never i mean we don't we shouldn't keep talking about about marketing, brands? marketing and brands no, no, and hit, stuff. Hit, i just i just i've it. never you brought this up originally for a different purpose yeah so that's why i'm trying sure. to kind of bring it back that's, I, that's maybe i'm like an about. odd consumer because i care about quality of the product quality of the content whatever you know yeah of what i'm yeah. purchasing what i'm you know putting my money toward like i i, I want it to be good right or your time so like, like if, if a big brand like pepsi changes their bottle or like coke starts putting people's names on it it's not gonna make me buy coke like yeah. like coke's okay it's fine i'll drink it every now and then I've just I've never looked at like a marketing strategy and been like, oh my gosh, I need to have that. And maybe I'm just weird. You're you're definitely weird. I get, I don't know. <laughs> like when I buy something, like something major, like yeah. I do a ton yeah. of research. I like I, I I you know read reviews. Like it takes me days. Like yeah. I just bought a snare a new snare drum. It took me like a, a, probably two weeks to make a decision about which snare drum to to buy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't look at. Like, oh, that's a cool ad, or that's a, you know, I like the the look of that logo. Yeah. Like, I want that to be on my drum. Like, I cared about how it sounded. Well, it's a good bias. It's still a bias, <laughs> but it's a good bias to have. Like, we we were talking about this, the millennial, whole millennial and consumerism mm-hmm. conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, which, for context's sake, doesn't really matter to listeners, but just to jump in on that topic of millennials and consumerism here, I think that, you know... We all look for different things when we're consuming product on some level. And traditionally, you know, in past decades, it was looked the the ad, like what you're talking about, not caring about the ad was a huge part of that because people 
on a mass scale were much easier. There was very there was fewer channels of information. So when a new mattress company came out or a new like a company like Walmart or whatever it was, a new brand like Coke comes out, the the fewer channels that there were provided a outlet for that thing to just take over and everybody bought it and mm-hmm. then it became it can, it flooded people's minds in an easier way. Whereas nowadays the market is just so vast and there's so much going on. There's so many things you can buy. You can choose all these different like intricate soda brands and intricate snack brands and clothing brands and experiential brands. And I think our value system has shifted from, you know, like you were saying, like most people are impressionable when it comes to an ad like they just are like it's mm-hmm. it's human nature to be impressionable but i think our impression our ability to be impressionable is changing so you're talking about quality of product i think that's a huge one but i think even for most people another one like that's it's you're, you're talking like that you're, you're you're someone who makes you create products so i think that's maybe why you have more of a bias there because it comes down yeah, but to i didn't when i was 15 you mean you you cared about that? <laughs> yeah, like I, I I've always like I've always not cared about. So maybe it's more a of a temperamental look. thing. Maybe for you. it's a deep it's a deeper. Not, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm you're fine. Saying, you're like, fine. I love I love that. I have to cut off people all the time. But I'm saying you're right. Like it's I'm trying to say for you whatever it is. It's a deeper right thing going on. I mean now I have a better understanding because I'm creating a product. I do have a better understanding of like, you know, why I'm that way. I yeah. guess you could say, and like, it does help me like market in a certain way yeah and you but and you care I'm, more about your product I'm, being great. yes oh I, yeah certainly yeah. yeah i care about putting out you know a, a good high quality product yeah and the marketing is important and i recognize that but and maybe i take it too far but i try to be so like transparent like in how i talk about my product and my marketing you know what i mean like i don't yeah. i don't try to create an idea of what it is well, see, the problem there is that you're a good person. Yeah. <laughs> so you I don't need, need I need to, to hire somebody that's not a good person. Well, no, person. no. I'm trying to say most <laughs> people with brands aren't as, I guess, for lack of a better word, pure. Like you're kind of a purist in that sense where you're saying, I don't need to put up a facade. This is who I am. These are my values. My product is good. Most people don't have that. Most mm-hmm. people, their product isn't the best. It's they, they might think it's good. Obviously, most people think their product's good, but they're they're stacking it up against other products and depending on the field maybe it's clothing maybe they think their clothing's cool but they're looking at their other competitors and saying it's not that cool so what are some things that they can stack it up against better to their competitors Mm -hmm. and then they start to search out these different like strategies to grab people's attention i think one of them that is a good one that i think millennial like people our age in general are much more attracted to than previous generations because it has a much different connotation is the like the philanthropist model which is like mm-hmm. which when you have brands like warby parker or charity water mm-hmm. you have these brands that they're built off of donating part of their their um their surplus to a per- person in need a cause whatever it is and that is attractive to younger people even though i think on some level we know it's tied into marketing like we know that this is all part of their brand dna mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you're talking about you're as a person, you feel authentic enough where you don't have to market a certain way because the product's good. I know who I am. I, I want to be as transparent as possible so other people know who I am. Right. Whereas a lot of these other brands, who knows who's running Warby Parker? It could be the worst person ever, mm-hmm. but they're doing good. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, 
if you're not a great person or even if you are a good person, but you don't have any, I don't know, like personality, maybe you have a hard time communicating your ideas or your beliefs or your values, then you want to create something like an apparatus over the brand that can kind of draw attention to that good thing. You yeah. know what I mean? I think that's what a lot of, that's what a lot of, that's, that's sort of like the newest form of advertising. That's, that's mm-hmm. really breakthrough. It's, and it's not new, but it's, it's, it's breakthrough to younger people now because it's, it's sort of, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's sort of counter-revolutionary where, like I said, we know it's sort of marketing, but it's also in the face of, um, of profit in mm-hmm. a way, you know, we look at it, we say, Oh, like they're not just about profit. They're not just about capitalism and selling me something like they care. Sure. Like they care about something. Yeah. So and I mean, that's just Tom's, one facet, but Tom's shoes. That's one. Yeah. They're like, they're not like, I've bought a couple pairs and they don't last. They're terrible shoes. They're uncomfortable. Yeah. And I don't know, like they created it. Like a company like that feels like nefarious like it feels like their intention is to make a lot of money yeah and it's really neat that they send a pair of shoes to like you know a country that's in you know living in poverty and yeah third world country yeah yeah like it's a good feeling but like i mean you're are you sending how much are you sending yeah because these shoes are are like 30 bucks for a really crappy pair of shoes i don't know it just I don't, obviously I don't, like, I'm not a part of that company. I don't understand everything they do. But when you look at it, f- just like for what it is, it just, something, it just feels like very disingenuous. Yeah. And that is the branding. That is how you come off. Cause it's like, yeah. you can brand, like, like, again, perfect contrast, Warby Parker to Tom's. What's the difference? Like, why not come, just come out you with know? a really awesome pair of shoes sell that to people and then send shoes overseas without telling anybody <laughs> like why <laughs> well because it's branded that's, I know. What that's what i'm saying and and we're I'm, I'm this is again simplistic and we're breaking it down to like the meta marketing of level course. So this is all like we're not speaking on any mm-hmm. all, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna change my mind about all this tomorrow so. I guess. <laughs> but i mean i guess to your point like yeah warby parker is a good brand people love their glasses they're mm-hmm. nice quality mm-hmm. glasses so like the idea that they're donating glasses to people in need feels mm-hmm. more real cause it's a good company mm-hmm. whereas tom's i know they've had i, I don't I, I i'd have to go i'd have to read up on it i haven't looked i haven't even thought about tom's in years i don't really see people wearing sure. them anymore but i do remember there was kind of some sketchiness I knew people were talking about them because it is like it's weird how high their profit margin is with how low the quality is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Again, I could be totally wrong. Maybe I should add like an amendum into this after I do some digging. But I don't know how much profit they're keeping for like, you know what I mean? Because it's like it's a there's like the the whole nonprofit thing is kind of like a, a joke when it comes to larger companies because mm-hmm. you can be labeled a nonprofit and your CEO is still making a million dollars a year. You know, it's like, it literally just means the company itself isn't profiting when your employees could be making exorbitant Yeah, of course. Of I mean, so yeah, there's... Who, who's really to say? Like, I don't really know. Salaries are an expense, so... Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I don't really know, like with that company in particular, I, I think I remember something shady about it, but but yeah, it's like that. That's a whole thing in and of itself, as far as like the authenticity and the mm-hmm. the quality of the brand. Like it does matter, sure. you know. Because long term, 
guys like you, like more people figure it out. Like mm-hmm. more people start to ask questions and look at it. Like I don't see anybody wearing Toms anymore. Right. There's not good shoes. Whereas like I think as long as Warby Parker keeps up good quality glasses mm-hmm. and keeps doing what they're doing, where they aren't going anywhere. Like someone will be forced to compete like directly, which I'm sure they, I mean, I know they already are, but mm-hmm. like a larger scale competitor doing exactly what they're doing. will be forced to compete for that business because it's a good product, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, I don't know. But there's so many what do I know? there's so many like ways you can go and talk about there's just there's so many like a little offshoots conver- like, I know, conversations cause you, cause you can, focus, you can oh, yeah. highlight the good parts of it you like can... I don't buy my glasses from Warby Parker I yeah. buy them from a guy in Satterton who there you like, go. runs a little Local. optical you know yeah. store that's a whole other thing so uh, yeah I support him yeah and his you know him feeding his children yeah I think the uh the contrast between the the corporate America and the mom and pop shops is interesting here too, because like I think, as more young people move into the cities, the options to buy from mom and pop shops like that, mm-hmm. it's not that they dwindle, because obviously they have a lot of mom and pop shops in the city, but for whatever reason, it's a expense, it's a convenience thing. Like people buy on the young people buy online more than they buy in person. So sure. I think there's a lot of a uh, yearning by young people to make a difference in the world without doing anything, you know? Like, mm. if you buy Warby Parker glasses, you feel like you've made a difference in the world, so you don't have to... Like, I feel like what you're talking about, going to a mom-and-pop shop, that's more visceral. Like, you might know the guy. Mm-hmm. You can, like, see his shop. You can get to know him. He's right in your town. Mm-hmm. Supporting his business, you're supporting a local entrepreneur who might employ other people who supports the local economy. That's, to me... I mean, they're different. I'm not trying to compare the good necessarily but it's a more visceral relationship whereas when you buy online and you buy from giant corporations who are trying to be altruistic it's a little bit more detached and i think that's for whatever reason across Mm -hmm. the board what younger generations do which circles back to the whole social media virtue signaling type of thing where people just for whatever reason we're all attention seekers but some people would rather exude that attention seeking part of them almost exclusively online and then you see Mm -hmm. them in person and it's like they're quiet as a mouse or all of a sudden they don't want to talk about what they're talking Mm -hmm. about online because it's it's more difficult you know yeah i guess i'll just leave leave it with like one more thought okay one more thought (laughs) at like at the end of the day any business is operating to make a profit like there are very few businesses that can function long term without making any money, right? Yeah. So it, it's about making money, yep. Regardless of the marketing, regardless of like that strategy, or, how good you, or what good you're trying to do, or what good you're trying to do, yeah. or you know the quality of the product, right? So if you find a company that makes you feel good, like I think that's I think that is okay, like on a like a, on a very basic level. Again, everything we're talking about, yeah, so down to the base, yeah. yeah. So if you feel good buying from a company, then that's great. But yeah. every single business exists to make money. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good note to end that segment okay. on. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, we can, you can scale it up. You can scale it down. But at the end of the day, it's businesses need to make money and to survive. And if Tom's wasn't making money, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be around. Business. They wouldn't be around. Yeah. So it is like... Find companies that you can attach your values to, but also don't solely place your value, like that part of you, mm-hmm. that, that all, 
I feel like we can kind of sl- like if you want. I don't know which trail you want to go down to. I don't know. Look at your notes. Like, do you have? Uh, my notes are over. We can. We're oh, way past my oh, notes. we're past your notes. Beautiful. So I was gonna say, if you want, we can kind of trail into maybe like altruism a little bit, like through the lens of social media and real li- versus real life, because that's a good sort of segue into that. Because I, th- I think because as far as, insofar as you know. Everybody wants to be better. Everybody wants to do, like every. If you're a decent person, unless you're just evil or whatever, like even some of the worst, even some of the worst people that I would classify as being bad people, they think they're good. You know what I mean? Like they think they're doing good in the world, even if their motivations or their actions speak otherwise to me. On some level, everybody's trying to be better. They're trying to commit some good or whatever, and I think it's. Whatever it is about social media, the detachment, you know, the the mass influx of information we were talking before about the uh, just the um, the dopamine rushes you get, the addiction of being on it, whatever that is. I mean, it's definitely I I feel and let me know what you think about this. I feel that most people when you talk about activism, like I don't want to like like totally go down the rabbit hole of like social justice and mm-hmm. all that but when it comes to particularly activism and making a change in the world these things now almost exist solely seemingly solely on social media versus real life like when i i know we you and i we have like a pretty fairly large network of friends compared to most i think mm-hmm. like we have a pretty big community of like good people that are active and we hang out and talk and and all that I'd say when we when I look at the scope of them, you know, in person you don't really see much of this, but online you see it. You know, if there's like a if there's a ratio, like the altruistic activism, good opinions, whatever, the conversational stuff, that's I would literally classify that as ninety five to five percent. Like it's ninety five percent online, five percent in person. Okay, that's me. I don't know. Like, and I think that five percent is good. <coughs> Like when I get together with you or any of my other friends, it's a good talk and it's good stuff. But like insofar as output, you know what I mean? Like my output, my each individual's output in that arena. And a lot of that you could attribute a lot of that percentage. This is all rough in my head. I could be totally off, obviously. Mm-hmm. Probably I'm way off. But in my mind, most of that percentage you can attribute to time. Obviously, like you're spending time at your house eating dinner at work, at school, you're not with other people constantly, you're not in the marketplace constantly, so you don't always have opportunity to to enact, I guess, good and conversations and change in real life. So you do what you can with what you have, which is online. Totally fair. But I still think that there, even with that, like that, that adjustment to the ratio, you know, it's still, it's still pretty skewed toward, you know, this stuff being addressed more online than real life and i don't know like do you have any thoughts on that sort of paradox for lack of a better word oh man like do you think that it's something that we should be at on an individual and communal and i guess national but more you have more control over individual and communal levels like do you think that we should it's something we should be actively seeking to change or do you think that the fact that most again this is my estimation i'm not speaking i'm probably not right but from my estimation do you think that it's fine 
that most of the stuff exists online now? Like, that's like a natural progression? Or do you think that there is some kind of need to get back to real life? Like, like you and I are having right now. There's mm-hmm. conversations, communal gatherings, um, activism in, in real life, street mm-hmm. activism change on a more visceral level. Do you think, you know what I mean? Like, do you think the progression is natural to, to online and that's fine? Or do you think we've kind of missed the mark? And I think we've missed the it? mark. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to go back to like one-on-one. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know, boots on the ground type of mentality. Yeah. Um, I've, I've just, I I look at social media more as like a tool, right? To like the bigger goal, right? But it's just one tool. Yeah. I mean, it, you still see, like, politicians having town hall meetings, right? That's a good point. I they, like they, that. they didn't just, like, throw away. Like, oh, now we have, we have the internet. We have Twitter. <laughs> and I can just beam my face and all my opinions to these people's phones and computers, and that should be fine. Like, they're still, they're, they meet at a grassroots level. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Like, when you think about, like, the, like the movers and shakers, like, in any community... Like, it's rarely just they have, this, like, an, a, an online presence and, like, they're making all these things happen. Yeah, is it ever? You know what I mean? Like, I can't even think of an example. Yeah. Like, it, it feels like it's always yeah. a real life. It starts in real life and then mm-hmm. progresses to online. Yeah. Sorry it took me a minute to kind of catch up with you. Don't apologize. I was still, I was still no, thinking about yeah. You said altruism. I was, just, I was trying to figure out what you meant by that. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. To people yeah. listening, like <laughs> Nelson and I are like best friends. We process conversations completely polar opposite. Or I talk faster than I think, and he thinks way or t- or speaks way slow or mm-hmm. slower. Mm-hmm. What? I don't. I don't know what I'm I just. I process things you slower process before slower, I right. want to even. You're much speak. more wise. I'm nah. much. I'm, I would be if we were an archetype. I would probably be the Joker, right? Mm-hmm. Or the like the town fool. And you would be like oh, the on. wise sage. Come on. <laughs> I just, I was just, There's I was, people listening yeah. right now potentially that are just like, yeah, that's actually totally right. <laughs> Part of what I was trying to think about is can you really truly be altruistic online? Right? It's so like the idea mm. of altruism is like it's, it's, it's selfless act <laughs> to like help somebody else. It doesn't, it doesn't get you anything, right? Yeah. And when I look at social media, it's all about it's all about the identity. It's all about people engaging and liking and like, oh, like look at look at this nice thing I did. I'm going to put it online and all these people are going to like it, right? Yeah. So like is that is that true altruism? Well, is there true alt? I don't know. I mean, now we're getting into philosophy. Uh, whatever, okay. Cuz I feel like you're right cuz I feel like if if you want to talk in true archetypes, true altruism perhaps doesn't exist. I mean, you're talking or you get you get into Buddhism here, or it's like does the Buddha the Buddha doesn't become the Buddha till they die or till the end of their life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. this whole the idea is that you can you can never fully get rid of the self, but you can train the self, I guess, to get to a point where you're you're mindful of it. You, you can observe it like in real time and then step outside of it right. momentarily. I think you can kind of parallel that to this in a way. Or yeah, you're right. Altruism as a, as a as a word that we use in context on a daily basis, it's not a pure thing that anyone can attain. Right. We're people and we're selfish on some sure. level. But I do, I, it's interesting because, like, yeah, you're right. It's like there's there's different levels to attaining that. And I think social media 
it blurs it and it it makes us all stumble way more because just to go back to the example you used at the beginning of the conversation where you had that um that band uh the brandy carlisle carlisle mm-hmm. how you say her name by her, the way i forgive you okay, yeah by the way i forgive you post <laughs> brandy where, carlisle, yeah. where you thought about posting on that your mm-hmm. story and then and had to like think twice about it because mm-hmm. what am i doing with this i'm just selfishly motivated or whatever i think that in and of itself is actually that contemplative moment that you had even just considering that i think that's the first step to get into the altruistic stage mm. you know what i mean because mm-hmm. it's like you have to be aw- you have to become aware of how you're coming across in any context like we all know the people who post their feelings online in a very vent venting sort of way and it's like a complete outpouring and it's not it's not to take away from the authenticity of that like obviously they're typing something that they feel in real time so that aspect of it is true Mm -hmm. but they're also doing so in knowing this is going to get them attention they want attention whether that's a positive or negative thing they yeah. need, they're looking for, for affirmation for affirmation exactly right. so in, in most cases yeah. affirmation but i guess like you and could, i think that can be healthy exactly yeah yeah i guess that's, that's what i'm trying to say but to your point how aware you are to that and how much you th- thought you're putting into that and then mm-hmm. there, there's a fine line between overthinking it which i think where people like you and i fall into where mm-hmm. you think so much about it then you just don't post at all you know what I mean? Yes. Because, or, or you post and then you hate yourself, mm-hmm. which is sort of the... You idiot. Yep, which is sort of the, the paradox of us podcasting right now. I hate... My fiance Chelsea hates when I use the word paradox. It's like the most... She thinks it's the most pretentious word ever. Mm-hmm. But it, that's kind of what it is because we're both sitting here talking projecting something out for other people to listen to knowing that they're going to spend their time, a.k.a. money, their, their product. This is a product that they're going to consume, mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, and we Depends know on how long we keep going. Yeah, right. We, we're probably at the cutoff spot, <laughs> but no one's listening anymore. <laughs> but but we're we're doing this for other people. So there is a selfish component to it. But then there's also the selfless component of it where you and I both know we're trying to create better conversations, get to know each other mm-hmm. better, learn how to speak better. In, in order to start that kind of groundswell. Yeah, of, of it's whatever. a paradox for sure. You, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? So and we, t- we kind of talked about this the other night, like. Recently, I've started, like, viewing podcasting as, like, a new type of art, right? It's like you're creating something to give to the world, right? I think where where it can become maybe, like, uh, I don't know. Like, What's cross the that line into just self-serving? Yeah, 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 cross you know, the line into just yeah, self-serving. Yeah. yeah, is when, like, you you care more about how people are responding, right? Yes. Like, you should just care about the art. You should care about the product. You should care about like whatever it is you're creating and putting forth. Right. And if you feel good about it, like end of the story. Yeah. You know, it's great if people respond in a positive way. Right. And it's, it's, it's a, it's great to have that affirmation and maybe it, it helps you keep going and creating more. But like when you really break it down, if you feel good about it, like, you know, I totally that's agree. It. That's all she wrote. But I also, uh, to kind of go back to everything we've been talking about where you start talking about branding before, I think as you scale it up, then it becomes more important mm-hmm. to focus. It's like it's like if you imagine the two things going up at the same time. So you imagine, like, say, we're podcasting today. Say there's 10 listeners. So if you scale that up to 
us a hundred episodes from now, this is a total, this is never going to happen, but say it went from 10 listeners to a hundred thousand listeners at each step along the way as that scales up, I feel like you need to sort of be consciously aware of how you're coming across and then how you're perceiving feedback from mm-hmm. listeners because mm-hmm. I think that it kind of it works both ways like you you want to be proud and love the craft that you're putting out and believe in it you mm-hmm. know you want all that for what you're doing at the same time you want to adjust accordingly as you need to and be open to change and your flaws and feedback and these are things you know again there's a balance you don't want to just be giving in to every twitter troll if someone says oh this this offended me and it's like one person maybe you don't need to change what you said or how you said it. But if it becomes a hundred people, if it becomes a thousand people, if it becomes a day to day thing where people are saying, Hey, 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 this, 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 it's like, you know, the more it scales up, the more you want to be mindful of it. Yeah. You know? Being mindful. Yeah. And being aware of that. I get that. Yeah. yeah. But it's, at the end of the but day, you, you need should... to still be true. Exactly. And you, yeah. you don't want to lose your soul. You don't want to change for the sake of them. Yeah. You want to change because they're, you want to believe that they are, they're trying to better you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I guess it does come down to sort of intention, you know? Like, I just, I can't imagine, like, if a hundred people walked up to Da Vinci and was like, you know, I really don't like the eyes on the Mona Lisa. Like, you should change them. <laughs> like, would he do it? Yeah. He'd be like, oh, you're right. I'm going to appease you. Like, maybe she wouldn't be hanging on, you know, so in the true. museum right That's now. That's such a great example. That's I don't know. such a great example. No, I love that. That's so, so true. Yeah, there comes a point where you have to push through the muck mm-hmm. of people because everyone just... Going back to everything we're saying here, everybody has an opinion on social media. Everybody has a thought. You and I talk about this all the time. Like we listen to a bunch of different, like ranging political and social and hobbyist podcasts. So we're always deconstructing the things that hosts could be doing better or episodes, how they could have been better. Mm-hmm. And I think you could do that all day. I think there's nothing wrong with healthy deconstruction. But when that becomes an obsession of trolling and just being constantly pessimistic and cynical and negative then that's more of a, you're right, that's more of like a self-evaluation for them. Like then, sure. then, then it doesn't become Da Vinci's problem, then it's their problem. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think there's a definitely a healthy, there's a healthy level of criticism yeah. for sure yeah, to sure. have. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a good point to leave it and we can pick up on, on that next time. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Are you good with that? I'm, dude, I'm, I'm gold. Cool. I feel good about this. Nelson, thank you for coming on the podcast and telling the people what's really good. Peace.